Hey guys, I got you each a gift. No way, Jesus, why? Awesome. Well, I just love you guys, so I wanted to get you something. <laughs> wow. So nice. Laura, you first. Wow, this is so exciting. Oh, will you look at this, a little eight-ounce can of Coke? This is perfect for me. I looked everywhere to find a gift for you, and this just seemed to fit. I love it. Drew? Yeah. Your turn. All right. <laughs> no way, Jesus. Seriously? Oh, yeah. 20 ounces of Coke? Yeah, baby. Woo! This is awesome. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You're welcome. Laura, we got to go show Richard our gifts. Come on. Okay. Hey, Laura? Is there a problem? No. I mean, well... Yeah, kind of, you know, it's just that every time you give people gifts, you always give everyone else more than you give me. What do you mean? I mean, like, I open my gift and, oh, cute, eight ounces, and then Drew opens his gift and, hello, 20 ounces. Oh, I know what you mean. Well, that gift is for Drew. Well, that's what I want. Uh, Go get it for me. Okay, if that's what you want. Yeah. I got a liter. I know it's one liter of God's sweet goodness. Jesus gave it to me. He did? Yes. Okay, you know what? You're going to meet somebody with a bigger bottle, and you are going to be so mad. Laura, check it out. I got an upgrade. Coke 3.0. That is awesome. I know. Well, isn't that just great? Yeah. Hey, Jesus, you rock. Thanks, Drew. What is wrong with you? Why are you holding back your best from me? I gave you my best. Don't you see what's happening here? You're letting everyone else's gifts steal your joy. Uh, No, Jesus, you are stealing my joy by giving everyone else more than you give me. Laura, I picked this gift out for you. That's what I wanted you to see. I don't care. Until you can look past this, all you're going to see is a can of Coke. I love that drama troupe. They, they have some really powerful truths. Um, let me give you just a couple of quick announcements. You have to earn, there you go. Uh, today, five o'clock small groups here. Uh, we have three different groups that are meeting all here on campus, spiritual gifts group, um, a doctrine group that will be in here, spiritual gifts. You're in the, they're in the youth room and the one that's uh, love and, and respect, which is a marriage series is over in the house. The theme for the food tonight is, is uh, breakfast food. So bring that and we'll share that afterwards. The landing, which is our celebrate recovery for teenagers, those 13 to 18, those with hurts, habits and hang up. Hang Up starts on Tuesday. They've had a couple of previews and had some really incredible things going on there. Um, October 1st, two weeks from today, we're going to start doing something new. And that is every first Sunday, since we don't have small groups on first Sunday, we're going to um, have a, a, a fundraiser lunch for Haiti. You're gonna have to turn that thing back. I don't know what happened. What happened? No, the, the screens went off. Was that? I don't know what's going on. Y'all work on getting that back up. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. Not during the announcements, but all of them went off. I didn't know what was going on. You, you freaked me out. Okay. Uh, noon, uh, the first Sunday of every month, we're going to have a fundraiser lunch for Haiti. This one coming up October 1st will be a barbecue fundraiser, uh, $7 a plate, but we're going to have our ministry meeting. So every ministry in the church, that's going to be the day that we meet. So we have a brand new military ministry. Uh, we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago where we're going to do some things to reach out to folks that are in the military. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to have some care packages that we do for Christmas this year. 
Uh, our local National Guard was just sent overseas. We have to get in these, um, these boxes. We're going to tell you what to put into those. There, there's a table out here. And so anyway, we're gonna, we have to ship those out by October, uh, I think it's 22nd. They have to be in here so we can get them to the National Guard. They will ship them for us. So all we have to do is collect them and take them to them. They'll even um, divide them up and they'll get them to the right people in their troop. But we, we decided that we wanted to be a church that was involved in that. So at the end of the service today, the, these two buckets, um, I'm going to have these two bucket heads. Uh, sorry, that just went too well. No, these two guys are going to stand at the back with these, but they are not bucket heads, by the way. These are awesome guys, front row. Um, but they'll stand back there. Anything that goes into these buckets is going to jumpstart our military ministry. Some of you don't want to go get the list. That's okay. If you want to contribute to a care package that will go to somebody in the National Guard, then you put money in there if you'd rather do that. If you want to get a list, we have lists at the back. Um, at, there's a table out there, information table. You're going to see a box back there. Anything that goes in that box is just for the military ministry. Uh, the other offerings, you know how to do that. Um, October 2nd, Shelter from the Storm. This is for the survivors of sexual abuse. This is one of the most powerful things that our church has done. If you are interested in that, ladies, it's going to be starting um, on Tuesday night, the 2nd. No, Monday night, the 2nd, over here in... No, it's not in the house. The men are over there. Anyway, I'll tell you where. Let me know if, you, if you're interested in that. We're still receiving uh, buckets for Harvey. Uh, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, one of the things they do is they have a bucket, a five-gallon bucket with a lid, and there's a list of things that go in there. When we get those, it's all cleaning supplies. It's like uh, anti-mold stuff. It's face masks. It's gloves. It's sponges, all kinds of cleaning things because of all of the houses um, down south that were affected by Hurricane Harvey. And in fact, if you want to go, I just heard that um, Dogwood Hills uh, Baptist Church, Kevin Wilmot is the pastor there. He's taking a group a week from tomorrow down to Port Aransas. If you're interested in that, I can give you his phone number. If you want to go, they're going to go Monday through Thursday just to go clean up. So if you want to do something hands-on, you can do that as well. And then um, you saw that at the end, we'll have an offering for that. Okay, now back to this idea of looking at that little can of Coke. That's pretty powerful, right? The problem this young lady had was she was looking at everybody else instead of the gift. Remember when she first got the gift? Was she excited? Yes, and Jesus said, this is for you. She was excited until she took her eyes off of Jesus. Now, a quick question. Have it, is, is there anybody here who has never been discouraged? Just, just check it. All right. Then, then say this out loud. This message is for me. All right. There you go. Uh, one of the reasons you get discouraged is because you take your eyes off of the goal that God has for your life. Adam and Eve, what'd they do? They focused on the one thing they could not have. They became obsessed and it cost them everything. I'm in the book of numbers, my personal daily, uh, devotional. I've got a few more chapters. In fact, I'll finish numbers this week. The thing I keep coming back to over and over is the children of Israel would focus on God. They'd worship God. And then they'd take their eyes off and they'd say, we want to be like them. We want to be like that country. They have a King. We don't have a King. We want what they have. We want to go back to Egypt because in Egypt we ate this, but you're making us eat this. They would take their eyes off the Lord. They would become discouraged. Anytime you take your eyes off the Lord and you begin to look at other people, you get discouraged. So today we're going to look at a passage from the book of Hebrews. And you need to understand Hebrews was written to the Jewish people to Christians at a time when they were incredibly discouraged. People were being crucified on crosses just to make an example of them. Uh, you know, later in the, in the Christian life, in, the, in about two, two to 300 AD, Christians were used as human torches to light up Emperor Nero's parties. You think you have it tough? You've not done that yet. Hebrews was written to those people who were incredibly discouraged. And today, 
we're going we're gonna to look at chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. So today, I need to set this up for you. He's going to use um, an athletic analogy. Specifically, he's going to talk about a runner in a race. So think about the Olympics um, running the 100-yard dash or the 400 or whatever it is. Think about that. They understood this because they were, there were games back then. They weren't the Olympic games yet. They were the precursor to the, to the Olympic games. But if you set an athletic contest, they would understand these athletes training, and they had training centers, much like we have Olympic training centers. There would be training centers where people would go. The best athletes would go. They would have a strict diet. They would have strict exercise. And then they would get involved in these competitions to win this wreath and to win pride for their country, wherever they were coming from. So they would understand this analogy. Look what he says. The writer says in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. All right, I just got to stop right here. Now, he's talking about Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a fascinating chapter, and it's called the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. People in there were the big wigs of the Old Testament. And if you read through, you just look through, you'll see that, that Abel, you remember Cain and Abel were the first two children born to, to Adam and Eve. Abel offered a good sacrifice. He's in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, you have Enoch. Enoch walked with God and did not suffer death. He was taken. He's in there. Noah, you know about him. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Rahab the prostitute. These are all heroes of the Old Testament because of their faith in God. And, and this was just an incredible thing. Now, they were not witnesses to what we're doing. They're not sitting in heaven in these grandstands watching us. That is not what they were doing. When he says, since we have a, a huge crowd of witnesses, these are witnesses that God is faithful. They're sitting in heaven looking at God. They're not in, sitting in heaven looking at us. And they're saying to us, their testimony is saying to us, God in heaven is worth following. He will always get you through whatever you're facing. That's what it means by uh, the witnesses. Now, one of the greatest ways, I just read this this week, one of the greatest ways you can develop perseverance, endurance, and you cannot be discouraged is by studying the heroes of the Old Testament faith and see that God always comes through. Maybe not in your timing, actually never in our timing, it's always in his timing, but God always comes through, he always wins. And so if you're skipping the Old Testament, you're getting ripped off. All right, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, all of those in chapter 11, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Y'all heard of uh, um, Usain Bolt, right? Fastest man on the planet. Did you ever see him in the Olympics leave on his warm-ups? He always took those off so he could run his fastest. Um, how many of you know who Steph Curry is? Steph Curry, he's, he's a great basketball player. Kevin Durant, great basketball player. Do you ever see them leave their warm-ups on when they go to play in the game? No, they stripped them off so that they can not be hindered by anything. So they understood this. Um, have you ever seen, you know, uh, in baseball, they have those little weights they put on the bat and then they swing them. Why do they do that? So that it's, it feels lighter when they go up. Have you ever seen somebody leave that weight on the bat and go to the plate and try to hit the ball? No, that would be foolish. He's saying, don't be like that. He says, strip it off. So what are weights to us? Weights to us are anything that distract us from following Jesus Christ. If your job takes you away from Christ and his bride, the church, then, then that's a distraction, that's a weight. If your hobbies take you away from Jesus Christ and the church, then that's a weight that you need to strip off. It is, it is discouraging you from following God instead of encouraging you from following God. A friend, anything that takes you away from God. Then he says this, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So God has a race for you and you're not racing me, you're not racing whoever's sitting next to you. God has a race for you. I say it this way. God has a plan for your life. Don't miss it. 
Everybody in here, God has a plan for your life. Don't miss it. That implies you can miss it because there's an enemy of God. His name is Satan. And he wants you to do any plan, any race other than God's. He doesn't care which one, as long as you're not on God's path, as long as you're not in the lane running towards Christ, Satan is happy because you will not fulfill your purpose. So he says this, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Some of you heard this as the author and perfecter. He's the first one of the Christian life and he is the perfecter of the Christian life. We focus on him. We run the race towards him. And then look what it says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. How did Jesus go to the cross? He suffered more than anybody in in Hebrews chapter 11. How did he endure? Because he looked at his heavenly father and he said the joy of his heavenly reward was greater than anything he would face on this planet. By looking at God and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to complete the work you gave me to do. I'm going to rescue people from their sins. If they'll choose to follow me, he thought that was worth going to the cross. And if you remember the night before the cross, he's, he's bowing down, he's praying, sweating drops of blood. And he says, father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, the cross, he said, but not my will, but your will be done. He kept his eyes. The joy was greater than the pain. And then he finishes it up with this. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. This is our theme for today. This is what we do. We never give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Okay, so somebody tell me who your favorite athlete is. Who? Dak Prescott. Anybody heard of him? Has he got a game today? Dak Prescott. All right, let's say... Let's say Dak Prescott has a shoe. I don't know if he has a shoe yet, but let's say he has a shoe and you wear his shoe. Does that make you more like Dak Prescott? Let's say you get a jersey and it has Dak Prescott's name. It says Prescott on the back. Does that make you more like Dak Prescott? No. Let's say that, that Dak has a, um, an exercise video that helps you become better at football and you do all of those exercises. Does that make you more like Dak? Maybe a little, but let's say that Dak could come to Aiden And Dak could, you know, that mind meld that that Dr. Spock did in in Star Trek where he puts his hand, does some weird little mind meld and the other person, they can, they can share thoughts and they can see things. The other, some weird little thing. Let's say Dak Prescott could come and mind meld with Aiden and give him his insight into football. Would that make him more like Dak Prescott? Yes. Let's say that Dak could in the mind meld thing, he could also give Aiden his abilities on the football field. Would that make him more like Dak Prescott? Yes, that's exactly what God the Father does through the Holy Spirit and through his word. He gives you the ability to run the race and win your race, not somebody else's race. You understand this? When you yield to the Holy Spirit and you obey God's word, God enables you to do things for his kingdom, for his glory that you could not do on your own. Probably the greatest person in the New Testament other than Jesus Christ was the Apostle Paul. He wrote half of the books of the New Testament. He faced some enormous, enormous obstacles in his life, but he he didn't even call them obstacles. You know what he called them? Light and momentary afflictions or light and temporary afflictions. And and I'm just going to give you a few. Let me tell you what he called light and temporary. Um, he uh, He was beaten three times almost to death. 
Now, I've never been beaten once. Once would be enough for me. I don't even have to be beaten, but he was beaten three times almost to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He was shipwrecked two times. I don't want to be shipwrecked once. I was stuck out of Galveston in some, in some fog one day for about four hours. I can't imagine the people that had to go to New Orleans and you know, run around Hurricane Harvey. I don't want, he was shipwrecked twice. One of those times, he was on part of the ship on a piece of wood for a day and a night in the ocean. That's pretty, that's pretty rough, right? Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking, I've seen way too many Shark Week things. I'm thinking I'm shark bait, you know, if I'm hanging around up there. So he, he did that. Um, he was... He was imprisoned. I've been in prison, but not for talking about Jesus. Um, He was abandoned by his friends. And he said, all of that stuff is light and temporary. Why? Because he had his eyes on Jesus. You, You move towards whatever you're looking at. Whatever captures your attention is going to determine the direction of your life. We talked about that before. Um, so, so here, I'm going to read you some of the things that Paul said, and, and I just want to show you this weird little formula. This is just how my mind works. Put that little formula up there. We are HP on ES, but not C, P, but not ND, P, but not A, SD, but not D. Now, this is actually the, the theme verse for our, for our teenagers in, in the unbroken ministry. And, and it actually comes from uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Does that help anybody? When I memorize this, this is, this is how I do, this is just my weird little mind. We are hard pressed on every, no, 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 no. Dude, you're killing me. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. This is Paul talking about this. Paul, who's been in the deep, who's been beaten, who's shark bait. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Persecuted, was that right? Uh, uh. Perplexed, I'm sorry. Perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. This is just how my mind works. So, I, so when I was memorizing, I'd go, we are HP, but not ES. We are hard pressed on every side. Now go ahead and go ahead and do it. That, that meant nothing. I know I'm, that's just my mind. <laughs> Paul is saying, no matter what comes, we're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not abandoned. We're not struck down. We're not destroyed. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And then look what he says. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Baptism is a picture that you're carrying around in you the death of Jesus Christ, that you are not your own, that you're following someone not of this world. And then look what he says in verse 16 and 17. Actually, that was eight through 10. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Lose heart means burnout. Lose heart means give up. We do not give up. It is always too soon to quit the Christian life. Look what he says. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. There's the key. Our bodies were not designed to live forever, these physical bodies. Our inner bodies, our souls were designed to live forever. We're wasting away. We see that but we're being renewed. The way you don't get discouraged, the way you don't give up is to be renewed inside day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Jesus looked at the joy set before him. Paul said, our light and temporary afflictions are nothing compared to heaven. He's got his ideas in the right place. So here's what he's telling us. He's saying that your problems always, your your purpose is always greater than your problems. Said that backwards. I interviewed uh, Brandy Lovelady a few weeks ago, actually back in May, and you heard about her being raped. You heard about her being beaten. You, he- you heard about her being beaten and, and taken out into the woods and left, for, left to die. She now is in charge of our ladies um, celebrate recovery and our 
the landing for, for our teenagers. She has allowed what happened to her to drive her to Christ, and Christ is using her to reach others who are far from him. See, she could, have, she could have wallowed in all of her problems, but she said, no, I'm gonna allow Christ. And it was a long, hard process. Sitting up here with me interviewing was one of the hardest things she ever did. But we had ladies coming up saying, I have been abused and saying, I need to be in shelter from the storm because Brandy allowed her, her purpose to be greater than her problems. God's plan is always bigger than your plan. And that's how you avoid discouragement. Some of you today need a peep over the pale. I got to read this to you real fast. Um, I forgot about this. I read this. Okay, so my, my little date on this article that I had on my computer is March 16th, 2004. This article actually comes from the early 80s, the late 70s, early 80s. You'll understand why that's relevant here in a second. So what they decided to do back in the late 70s, early 80s was, was to see how long a rat could swim in a pail of water before it drowned. You couldn't do that today because that would be harmful to rats and rats are people too. Um, but anyway, so, so they discovered that, that a rat could, could paddle water and stay above water in this, in this metal pail for 30 minutes before it had to either be rescued or it was going to die. So they said, what would happen if we gave it a peep over the pail? All right, so it's swimming around, swimming around, it's about to die. They grabbed it, they gave it, they called it a peep over the pail and here's what they discovered. Um, just as the rat went under for the proverbial third time, a researcher snatched it up to provide it a peep over the pail. In that brief glimpse, the rat saw that the whole world was not wet and galvanized, right? And over its head. Then the rat was released into the water again to struggle for its life. Each time the rat became exhausted, someone gave it a momentary peep over the pail. The outcome of this, this experiment that wouldn't be done today, the outcome was they found out that rats without a peep over the pail drown in 30 minutes, but a rat with nothing more than a peep over the pail was able to last for 36 hours. Do you understand what that means for me and you? It means this world that we have our focus on, these problems, that's not the whole world. And the reason we come to the church, the reason Hebrews says we don't give up meeting together as is the habit of some is because we need a peep over the pale over and over again while we are still on this planet. Because when we see him face to face, we're not going to need a peep over the pale. We're going to say, that's the one, that's the overcomer. But we see things and we get discouraged because we focus on the things we see. Well, look what the Bible, well, first of all, discouragement comes from unbelief. And let me tell you why this is such a big deal. If you're discouraged, it's because you believe that your reality is all there is. You don't believe God has a bigger plan. You don't believe that God's in charge. You don't believe that God is capable of rescuing you. Look what 2 Corinthians 4.18 says. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. When you're discouraged, what are you doing? You're fixing your eyes on what is seen. But on what is unseen, since what is unseen is temporary, or since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on what is unseen because it lasts forever. That's how you get over discouragement. That's your peep over the pale. Now we're finishing up this series today on this is what we do. And let me just run through what we've done over the last several weeks. Because the unseen is, is more important than the seen, this is what we do. Number one, the first two weeks, we talked about putting God first literally, literally. The first day of the week belongs to God. This is scriptural. And, and we said that the tithe is, is not 10% of your income. The tithe is the first 10% of your income. 
Literally, I put God first every time. I did this in the bank uh, when I deposited some checks this week. Immediately, I took my my little app out and I gave to God the first because I don't want to spend God's tithe. The first part of my day belongs to God. This is all, this is how we put God first, literally. And if you ever wonder what you worship, you look at what you put first. You look at what you do first during the week. You look at what you do first during the day. You look at what you put on Facebook and Snapchat. People around you are looking at that. And if, and if some alien looked at what you posted and said, here's what they worship, what would they say that you worship? Because I, 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 we won't go there. Number two, this is what we do. We offer God what we have. God doesn't ask you to offer him what you don't have. We talked about the feeding of the 5,000. The little boy, he had some biscuits and a couple of sardines and he offered it to God. And it was more than enough because God multiplied it. We look at our lives and we ask, what do I have that God can use? We gave clothing and food to over 170 families just a few weeks ago. Right after that, Hurricane Harvey hit. Some people went down there. Some people have donated money. Some people are donating different things. We're doing these buckets. We're asking, what can we do? How can we help? God, what do I have that you can use? If all you have is a bucket, bring a bucket. If you got some sponges, bring some sponges. God's not asking you to give what you do not have. And now we're doing this military ministry. I think it'd be the coolest thing in the world. We're going to have cards. We're going to have our children uh, sign cards and send to them. It's just going to be one of the most mean because we had military people sitting around the tables saying, when I was in the military, the greatest thing for me was someone just acknowledging that they even knew I existed. And that got, that was their peep over the pale when they're, when they're somewhere around the world serving for our freedom. Third week, we talked about this. It's what we do, baptism, the Lord's Supper. We saw baptism today. Baptism is where you go public. You're saying, I'm not ashamed to follow Jesus. And the Lord's Supper is where you remember. God said, don't forget, you need to remember. And we talked about this. Just, it's almost comical if it wasn't so sad. The Israelites, it took them three days to forget that God destroyed the entire Egyptian army. And they started whining and complaining. When they left Mount Sinai, it took them three days to whine and complain. When you whine and complain, it's because you've taken your eyes off of God. And that's, that should be a warning flag. I need a peep over the pale to see that this, this, my life, my little bitty life is not all there is. Last week, we talked about sacrifice. One of my favorite stories in the, in the Bible is when, when David um, counts the military and he gets in trouble and this, the angel of the Lord is there. And, and he's offered, Aruna says, here, take my threshing floor and offer it to God. And, and David says, no, I will not offer to God anything that costs me nothing. Today, we're talking about do not give up. So here's what Paul says to the Galatian church in Galatians 6, 9, and 10. So let's not get tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, that's God's time, not your time, not my time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if what? If we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So here's why I want you to never give up. Just a couple of things. First of all, is it spiritual gratitude? The reason I continue to do what God has called me to do is because I'm grateful. Here, look at um, Psalm 116, 12. What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? A mature follower of Christ says, what can I give to God? An immature follower says, what can I get out of it? How do I serve? That's maturity. What do I get? That's immaturity. Look what Jesus said in Luke 12, 34. One, two, three, four. Your heart will be where your treasure is. If you invest in the kingdom of God, your heart's going to be there. Uh, go ahead and put that picture up there if you would, Justin. 
Uh, I was thinking about this. This is the Vietnam War Memorial. I don't know if you've ever watched people going up to this. My dad, uh, I didn't get to go with him, but I got, there's a World War II memorial as well, and it traveled around, and my sister took dad, and, and she said dad did something very similar to this. They go up, almost, almost a holy reverence. When they go up, and they're usually looking for one or two names, and sometimes they'll, they'll find the name, and they'll say, this, this guy right here, he gave his life so that I might live. And, and some of them, they'll go up and they'll, they'll put a piece of paper up there and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll put a pencil and, they'll, and, and they say, I keep coming back to honor him. I come to this church Sunday after Sunday to honor him because what he did for me. And, and when, I, when I raise my hands, I'm saying, I don't, even, I don't even have words. I don't even have enough to offer back to you anything compared to what you offered for me. I was telling some of the band today, the local church is the hope of the world. There's no plan B. If worship gets old to you, you have a heart problem and you've forgotten what it cost to buy your freedom. We keep coming back over and over because we're grateful. Second, spiritual obedience. At this level of maturity, the Christian asks, what, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And this comes from Matthew chapter eight. Jesus is walking along and a Roman centurion, someone who has uh, command over a hundred soldiers, comes to him and he says, my, my servant is at home and he's in great pain. In fact, the Bible says the servant is paralyzed with pain. He's sick. And he said, would you heal him? And Jesus says, sure, I'll come and heal him. And he goes, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I understand this authority thing. I have authority over a hundred men. If I say to this man, go do it, he goes and does it. If I say this one, come here, he comes here. He says, I don't want to trouble you because I'm a man. I've lived a rough life and I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. Look what he says in Matthew 8, 8. He says, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. And this is the only time we see Jesus astonished. In the uh, New Living Translation, it says he was amazed. The New American Standard says he marveled. What did Jesus marvel at? What was it that caused Jesus to stop dead in his tracks and say, I am surprised it was this man's faith. You see, faith is the opposite of discouragement. Faith is the opposite of only looking at what you can see. Faith is looking what you cannot see. And see, this man said, I understand authority and the type of authority you have, Jesus, is all authority. You don't even have to be close. You don't have to be in proximity. All you have to do is speak the word. Do you know there was one time in scripture Jesus spoke the word and healed a man's son from 38 miles away? The power Jesus has does not have to be close. He says, you just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, your servant is healed. And they went and checked. And from the moment Jesus spoke it, that's power. That's authority. I want you to underline those words. Just say the word. You've got that on your listening guide. Underline those words because I want them to penetrate into your heart. What would it look like if you were to become a just say the word follower of Christ? What would this church look like if we were a just say the word church? I want you to think about this. What kind of legacy would we be? Wouldn't it be awesome if people said about new life, it didn't matter what God asked them to do. It didn't matter what it cost. They were just say the word Christians. They were just say the word church. The world hasn't seen many of those. And I want to be a part of one. 
When you get to this level, you open the Bible and you say, what does God say? Got to finish this up quickly. Malachi 3.10, you come to this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be food enough in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it. Try it, let me... Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not shrivel before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. There's a couple of things you need to understand about a just say the word Christian. You can't get around this word, the tithe. It is throughout scripture. It is the basic level. It is the beginner's level of, of gener- well, it's not even generosity. You're bringing back to God what is his, the first 10%. The Bible says you're to do it strategically, consistently, meticulously, obediently. There's no compromise in this area. 10% is the beginning point. But then there's another point beyond that, which is the free will giving. This is where God warms your heart for something. I have three compassion children. Two of them are from Haiti. Any I get in the future are going to be from Haiti because Haiti has captured my heart. I've been to Haiti 10 times. I want to keep going. If God allows me, if God allows me, I'm going until I'm 70. That's up to God. I've just made that commitment. God, if you'll you'll keep me going, I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep getting compassion kids and I'm going to get them from Haiti. I don't know what your your, uh, specific area will be. It might be mad. It might be, I don't know what it is. It might be disaster relief. There's a couple of people say, we want to be trained in disaster relief so that we can go next time. Um, that's over and above. You give the 10% to the church. That's where you go, where you're fed. And then free will offering is over and above the 10%. If God gives you more than you need to live on, then you give to other causes. Third is sacrificial giving. One or two times in your lifetime, God's going to ask you to give something that does not make sense and it hurts and you'll be scared. And your friends, your accountant, your other church members may say, what are you thinking? And you say, I don't know. God just, God just told me to do it. And if you do it, God says he'll resupply. All right, one more thing. There's a, there's a level of maturity, I call it mature love, that goes beyond anything we've talked about so far. In Luke chapter seven, a former prostitute comes to Jesus and she takes a jar of perfume that cost one year's salary. And she poured it on Jesus' head. For some reason, she anointed his head, she anointed his feet. We know she was getting him ready for his, his crucifixion, for his burial. And, and she risks everything because she comes into a Pharisee's home. She knows that the Pharisees know what kind of woman she is. She was a prostitute, but she was so grateful to God that she anointed Jesus. Jesus said, leave her alone. And then he takes the opportunity to say, those who've been forgiven much, love much. Those who've been forgiven little, love little. And then there's another time Jesus is at the back of the temple and he's watching people put their offering in. They had a box. We have a, we have a basket. They had a box. And one widow comes up and she puts two coins in. It's everything she has. And Jesus said, she gave it all. Now, if her friends were to come to her and say, why would you do that? I think she'd say, I just, I don't know. Because think about this. When all she had on another lonely night was the comfort of a personal God, when the only touch she would ever receive would be from the spirit of God, when, when uh, all she had in this uncertain world was the promise of a loving God, love is what made her do it. Love is extravagant. It's a choice. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love, I want you to say these next three words. Love what? Uh, no, you don't understand. Love what? Never. One more time. You got to help me out. Love what? Never. Never gives up. If I give up, it means I don't understand love. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. The deeper the relationship with Christ, the more God's going to ask from you to sacrifice. Uh, you're going to go a little bit over. I tried to, I tried to hurry. I'll, I'll cut it down for the next service, but I want to show you this video. 
We're working on this song by Mercy Me. It's called Even If. And, and the premise is this, God, you're able. You can do everything. But even if you don't, my hope is still in you. Watch this and we'll be dismissed. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some.
The whole purpose of church is to give you a peep over the pail over and over and over again, because life is hard, right? It's why we do what we do. And it's why we're not going to give up while we still have breath in our bodies. <laughs> 